Hello and welcome to Sporting Directors Corner here on Get Football Plus, where we aim to look at football in the context of sporting directors, delve deeper into this multifaceted role and its impact within football across the globe. My name is Shailesh, I'm the COO at Get Football Group and I'll be your host today and as always I'm delighted to be joined by my co-host David. David, how are you this morning? I'm well, Shailesh, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, I'm doing well. Um, Today's going to be quite an interesting episode. I think I hope you like it. But just in case you've missed the last one we put out, we talked about builders and burners. And we had some really quite interesting feedback on that episode where we centered on on some of the work that Arsenal have done, some of the work that Wren have done. But looking more at the concept of what is a builder and what is a burner in the, in I guess, the context of a sporting director. So if you've not listened to that one, I, I do recommend you go back and have a look at that one. We'll put a, a link in the show notes. Um, but if you don't want to do that, then you can easily just go back along the various podcast feeds that you currently consume. But but today, David, what we're going to talk about is, is, I guess, something which is maybe overlooked sometimes within the kind of transfer world, player care world. And, and we're looking at some kind of stalled profiles and, and how clubs kind of leverage this or look at this, I get a bit more closely than others and sporting directors look at these kind of store profiles, bring them, I guess, back to life in some form and maybe sell them on for more money or, or extract, I guess, some some really good playing capability from them in their teams. But when we talk about this kind of store profile, David, what, what, what are you kind of looking at in terms of like, you know, when we think about it from a sporting director, what a club looks like? Yeah, so when I say or when I think of a stalled profile, that only means as far as uh, let's say perception, public perception. So one uh, perfect example, uh, well, I don't know if perfect is the right word, but I think of Real Sociedad uh, in uh, La Liga in Spain. Um, Roberto Olabe is. He's, I mean, I have a lot of favorite directors, but he's one of my favorites simply because he's candid and he talks a lot. I mean, he does, he does interviews like twice a month, it seems like. So there's a lot of information to glean there. Uh, but a, a, a perfect profile um, of, of what they're able to do in Real Sociedad is... Uh, now, before I even get into that, you, you, you have to have... I say it every week, right? You have to have alignment and you have to have fit. So you have to have a first team manager that understands economically what the club can do. The playing style has to match the the players. And ideally, it's not always the case, but ideally you have a youth setup that filters in to the, the pathways so that you have, I mean, you, you have a contingency plan as far as, um, you know, profiles as far as players, but more so you, you going to use a big word, I guess you, you, you buttress what you can do in recruitment as far as, you know, whether it's free transfers or paying for talent to come in with the pathways that are already in place. So you, you give yourselves um, as a club options or optionality. And that simple concept alone allows for better decision-making to happen. When you can only buy a player um, because you need a player, you're kind of at the the will of the market, right? So a, a perfect example of this, in my opinion, a um, few seasons ago, uh, Alexander Isak, uh, he's at Borussia Dortmund. 
and he quote unquote failed. Um, wasn't as good as they thought he would be. Uh, they got him from uh, AIK in Sweden. Great talent, great you know the, you know forward of the future. Uh, I don't think he even scored double digit goals while he was in Bundesliga in Germany, right? So they bring him to Real Sociedad, and magically, magically, he's he's the one we know now. He's at Newcastle. He's doing these things that, uh, I mean, quite frankly, he never stopped doing. And the list gets long, right? When you look at what they what what they were able to do as as far as bringing in uh, Odegaard from Real Madrid, um, they. They, I mean, you always have to have on-pitch on performance, right? So you can bring in a player like uh, David Silva. Um, you have players like, uh, I'm going to butcher it because it's, uh, you know, Basque, but um, Ilaramendi, you know, they sold him to Real Madrid, but then they buy him back. <laughs> he grew up in their academy. Uh, yet what you're able to do when you take profiles from other clubs, especially the younger ones, you know, the, the let's just say for the sake of um, uh, creating bands, if you will, under, I would say under 25, but definitely more so under 26, 27, you fit them into your lineup. You, 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 you make sure that they are comfortable. Um, you allow for them to, to be, um, happy. I, I know it sounds very uh, cliche and, and silly, but players need to be happy. Um, you, you allow them to be happy, enjoy the good food um, that's, in, uh, that's in Basque Country, and magically they start to perform. One of my favorite quotes about players, uh, it's not actually, it's not about players, but one of my favorite quotes about people and comfort and culture and taking care of them is from the uh, Stoic ph uh, philosopher uh, Marcus Aurelius. And I'm paraphrasing the, qu uh, the quote to a degree here, but it's very instructive when we think about players and even development. Um, and that quote is simply, uh, what harms the hive harms the bees, right? So if you look at, and I don't really like using um, I'll use it because of the illustration of it. Hopefully it makes sense. But say, say Donny van de Beek, who's at Manchester United. He has a manager in Eric Ten Hag who, yeah, he knows him, you know, just a little bit. You know, both Dutch. Um, was at Ajax. I, I believe they overlap at least two seasons. Um, so the talent and the capabilities and the personalities are known. Yet what is the quote unquote hive? What, where is the environment? Manchester United. It's different. Okay, it's not to say that Donnie can't play on that level necessarily or in that team, but the way that Eric Ten Hag is trying to get the club, the the squad to perform at, um, you know, Van de Beek is is surplus to requirements. Seemingly, I don't understand it, but seemingly, <laughs> seemingly, and if you read the tea leaves, you read the, when I say tea leaves, I mean the Fabrizio Romano leaves. Um, you know, he may go to a club like Real Sociedad. That that is that is a premier talent that you cannot pay for. Uh, usually, a club of Real Sociedad's uh, budget cannot afford on the open open market. Say, you know, when he left Ajax initially. So, I mean, again, a, a sort of a scenic way of answering your question, as as always, <laughs> in a sense, but. There is an ability to take a, a profile that 
the 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 media, social media, football, Twitter, the the supporters, the forums, if they even still have that in 2023, they say a player is is done and dusted, and he only just moved to that club 18 months ago. Um, smart sporting directors always focus on value. How do we get a talent of 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 a high caliber, if not the highest caliber, in a manner that a we can afford and b we can leverage on the pitch? When I look at social dad, actually, David, and I, and I look at the way they operate because we spoke about this in previous episodes around their the unique, I guess, connection to their locality. I guess um, the way that they harness the talent from around the the region. But on the flip side, they also are doing this type of strategy where they're looking at, I guess, profiles of players who whose stock may have fallen, I guess, right? And maybe, I, I don't know how much sporting directors do this, like, because they were maybe always looking at, well, what's the one? I'm not necessarily looking at the stock that's fallen, but I'm looking at what is the potential of a player because that's what I want to try to bring in. But for someone like Roberto Alavi, when you bring in a, a player like Donny van der Beek, that sporting director needs to have a very um, human element to him as well as a development element to him. Is that quite unique in the sporting director world? That's a fair question. I, I, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's unique. I do think it's suppressed. Interesting. So I, I think that the most, um, most sporting directors that I read about, and you, and you look at forensically who they bring in, how that player performed. You look at the, uh, the first team manager, their relationship with that director. You look at uh, incomings, outgoings. You look at interviews. You look at or you listen to listen to and watch press conferences. There's a. I'm gonna say that there's a standard level of that there, right? But let me let me let me stop you. Let me stop. Let me stop you and have you think about this, okay? The best, most consistent, which is probably a word that is not um, appreciated enough in, in transfers and recruitment, but the best and the most consistent sporting directors have a value-based mindset to recruitment, okay? Um, I don't want to get too far into the weeds into what I do on a daily basis, which is investments and insurance and all that, but value-based thinking is not based off of potential. Yes, it is a part of your calculation and your projections but you care more about what is the value what is the what is the on pitch value what is the changing room value of that player right so when uh, roberto olabe is thinking about bringing in um uh what's his uh sadiq umar from almeria last i believe it was last summer uh yeah it was last summer uh he's not just thinking yeah, I mean, he'd be. I mean, who, who are we fooling? He's thinking if we can get this kid to score 15 goals, we're going to the Champions League, guaranteed. And at the time, they had Alexander Sorloff, they had the Viking, you know, Erling Holland's best best striking buddy. Uh, if we can get those two fit and firing, we will secure Champions League with games to spare. And worst case scenario, think about this. Worst case scenario, if he does that for a season or two. There's no way we can keep him. And some club will come in and pay a multiple of what we paid for him. And we'll be able to repeat this process. Um, the other club that 
I mean, I'm sure we'll get to here in, in kind that does this seemingly, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure the athletic or the guard, somebody will write about it, but it's Atalanta in Italy. They essentially take a profile that is on the, on the rise or, you know, less of the stalled profile. Uh, they were able to get, uh, what is this? Ademola Lukman, uh, who seems to be attaining uh, his potential, whatever potential means to you. Uh, but to go back to your question, value, what is the value? What is like, t- to me, when you think about sporting directors and efficacy, how good are they at recruiting? You need to not so much look at the top five league clubs. I'm not saying that they're, um, they're not doing a good job or anything like that. I'm saying that it, it's kind there's, there's too much money there for, um, there's too much money there for us to appreciate the the skill. Look at the fringe Europa League and Champions League clubs. Look at Ferenc Varos uh, in Hungary. Look at uh, PFC Ludogorets in Bulgaria. They have money, you know, they have transfer money. But look at the players that they bring in. Look at the transfer tag. Look at the, the the price tags of those players. What they cost is well beneath their value on the pitch every stinking time (laughs) because those clubs yes they're most likely going to win their league yeah i mean that goes without saying but they need to get to if not past the group stages in champions league and europa league every single year for financial reasons forget about sporting reasons so that obviously leads me to what i say every other week which is (laughs) follow the money when you follow the money, you can understand what goes into, uh, at least forensically, you can find out like what what was the plan with this player? What was the plan? Because it's naive to think that we, we want to focus on the potential of a player when there's too many factors that could in, you know inhibit a player from reaching its maximum potential. Look at Donnie Van de Beek. I mean, when he when he got to uh, Manchester United, wasn't Paul Pogba still there? Is that fair? Mm-hmm. Like, like, like think of, like think about that. And that's not even that long ago, right? I'm not saying that they're the same player, they play even the same position on the pitch, but you we we had to have less of a um, appreciative appreciative mindset as far as oh, this player has X amount of potential and he can grow. We need to be more conservative and say. What does this player bring to the table? How can he add on-pitch performance to our situation? You know, last thing I'll say, and this is tangent cringe-worthy, so uh, I'll, I'll just say it. But you know, when you look at when you look at Moises Caicedo, this whole saga, this saga since January, and you look at Chelsea, hi Todd Bowley. When you, you when you look at what they are have been trying to get to, the irony is is that when we lock up pathways for that level of talent, yes, you can get that player for whatever his price tag is now, but you probably have three or four profiles in-house already that can produce the same amount of value on the pitch. So then what do you do when you don't win the Champions League? What do you do when you, you, you don't win the FA Cup? You know, you can't always sell players to the Saudi clubs, right? So you get on this treadmill when we're always focused on potential, especially when we're in recruitment as far as like, oh, this player, he's 21. 
He can play three different positions. He's a polyvalent profile. I mean, that's all well and good. But at the same time, what happens when everything does not go to plan? And that's where clubs like Atalanta, Real Sociedad, um, I won't name the others just for sake of brevity that I don't have today. Uh, but like those, those clubs understand that at some point we have to extract value on the pitch. And what does that player bring to our first team setup and wins losses in the standings? Okay, so let's, let's go into that a little bit, actually, because I'm, I'm quite interested. But on, on the Moses Caicedo thing, I think once this transfer window is over, David, we've got to do an episode on that whole saga and all the different sporting directors involved and in, and and what I'm mean, I think could be quite interesting. It'd be like a little soap opera, <laughs> but we'll, yeah. we'll see. Um, but, but back to back to the extracting value thing. So if we take Donny van der Beek as the example, right? He left Ajax on a high to Man United. So I guess there's a certain level of value attributed to him at that point. At Man United, obviously that value has been dropping in perception, I guess, to the outside world. So if you're looking at Sociedad, they're probably thinking about right now, okay, so his value is at this place, lower than what it was when he first went to Man United. Are they saying his current position is enough for us to attain our goals, I guess, at a certain point? Because let's be honest, right? They don't win much, Sociedad. They finish that, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh every year. So the expectation from the fans, I mean, it's an interesting one because it would be interesting to see what it is actually. But as a sporting director, is he then saying, or she then saying, well, my first aim is to get him back to the value he was at Man United because that can probably take us to where we want to go. And then do I think to see, well, then what is his, I don't want to say ceiling, we always say flaws in ceiling, but where can I get him to so that maybe we can see, well, actually, it will either propel us as a club to a new place or we'll bring in some cash. Is that what they're thinking? That's how I would think in a business term standpoint. I mean, it, it, it's fair. It's fair. Um, and, and I don't want to be too idealistic because, again, we need to keep the lights on, right? We got to we got to water the pitch. We got to we got to pay people, right? So you you, you want to make sure that there is uh, enough room for a potential profit, you know. Um, but, but but I guess my point is 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 you're not gonna they won't be looking at players that have dropped below a certain level, right? Is is my is so when you say think, level, well, I don't know. What is the level of Sociedad? It's like Donny van der Brick can come in and he can play right now and we're confident that he'll be able to play and still will be able to maintain our fifth, sixth, third, fourth place finish, basically. I mean, I might be in the minority here, but I don't think like that at all. Because at the end of the day, you have to think about brass tax. Brass tax is, okay, if we do get Donny van der Beek, whatever level he is, what are his wages? Right. So people, we don't we don't think about this when we think about, oh, you know, uh, Darami is going from Ajax to Rem. Oh, must be great. He's going from a top, you know, outside top five league to a top five league club. OK, the wages part. There's always three parts to which at least at least three parties to a transfer. It's the player selling club and buying club. If the player doesn't want to go to a club based off of project or lack thereof, or quite frankly, wages, the deal is done. The deal is done. I mean, too often we want to give, and I'm saying this, you know, with respect, too often we want to give sporting directors or, or clubs a lot of respect or power for what they do, i.e. 
Brighton or Brentford or, or what have you. And they do a great job, right? I'm not saying that they're not doing a great job. What I'm saying is that it will always begin and end with the player. Hello, Kylian Mbappe, right? Like, they know that. The sporting directors know that, you know? It, it always begins and ends with the player. So going back to your specific question, if – and I'm – I don't know this, but just looking at the transfers in and out and hearing – uh, uh, Olabe's thought process multiple times. When they look at Vanderbeek, what they see is an opportunity to, I'm going to use the term staircase their way up. Uh, he he plays at Manchester United. He's a Dutch international. He has, I, I mean, I, I want to say he has more than 10 caps. I mean, I could probably look that up, but I'm, I'm agitated that you asked me this question. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But like, <laughs> He is a proven talent. So the the next question is, and it's to me, it, it's it's one or one A. Can we afford to pay him? Because I mean, I'm talking about bees and honey and hives and players. If you can't pay him wages that are going to keep him happy, you have to take him off your list, right? I mean, that goes without saying to me. Uh, so that that part of the equation is is very invisible, but it's true. His his uh, entourages, intermediaries, his agent, his family. Can we make him? Can we keep him happy, at Sociedad? Okay, financially and otherwise. That's the first part. The second part is is that. Look, I mean, the project is is very very simple. We want you to be the next one. Odegaard did it. He's at Arsenal and he's playing. There was what was the doubt level when Odegaard went to. Um, Real Madrid and Zinedine Zidane never played him. What was the doubt level? Uh, let me cut to the chase. Very high, right? Very high. He goes to Sociedad. He gets to play. He plays with other good players, i.e. Isaac, somebody who scores goals. He feeds him. You get to a place where you are now that talent that we, I say we, you know, colloquially, colloquially have written off. And now he's at Arsenal. If I'm not mistaken, he's is he a vice captain? He's a captain. He's a captain. And this was somebody who, quote unquote, failed, right? Failed at Real Madrid. So um, I'm getting uh, amped. I'm getting uh, 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 excited, not because it's a bad question. It's a great question. The question is always, can you take care of the player, the intangible first? And the intangible, guess what? It's very tangible. Can we pay him enough? Can we pay him enough for him to begin to be happy? We know that there is a player in there, and we know that we wouldn't be talking to him unless he fit into our playing style. Can we get him? So I think Erdegaard is, is maybe slightly different because he went there on loan, right? So, but, but the Isaac one, I think, is the, the, the key one. So said, but just from an organizational structure point of view, within the cut, within the they, they must gear themselves up for this, surely, right? Bringing in this type of talent. We know what we need to do with them. What bits need to fall into place? So they need to be able to obviously pay his wages, like you said. They need to be able to guarantee him some level of first-team football for a period of time, hopefully. Need to have a manager which, I guess, aligns with the type of player that he is. Am I missing anything, David? Are these all like things well, that... The first thing uh-huh. that you said caught my ear. It doesn't matter if it's a loan or a transfer. You like t- Again, take a step back. Take a step back. Let's stop looking at euros and pounds and sterling. 
Recruitment is about bringing in a human being with talent into your setup to perform. I don't care if he's a temp worker or I don't care if he's salaried. If he comes in there and he doesn't perform, that is a bad mark against your project. Odegaard is a, is, again, is an international, right? Norwegian, Norwegian? Yeah, Norwegian, yeah. <laughs> Norwegian international. He's capped. If he has a bad time at Real Sociedad, he's telling all his mates. So, again, I'm, maybe I'm being too emphatic because the coffee's kicking in. I don't know. But do do not, let's, let's get away. And I'm guilty of this. And I have to check myself. When we look at sporting directors, when we look at projects, Let's take away the arbitrage part. Let's take away, was it a buy or a sell or a loan option? A buy? Let's stop doing that. Not because it's not important, but because you water down the, the impact of the decision-making of that setup. You bring in a Martin Odegaard, you bring in a Donnie Vandebeek, not because you, know, you have just the financial means to. You know that if, we talked about heavy shirts however many weeks ago, Real Sociedad is becoming a heavy shirt. They're not there yet, right? They're not there yet. Mm-hmm. It might be another decade before they're on that level. But you don't get to the highest levels of football. You don't get to the European places. You don't stay in the top flight without talented players. You need to find, and this is where, again, sorry, Chelsea fans, but like this is where <laughs> like you, you – like, I understand getting talent. I understand acquiring talent. I understand getting it before your rivals. I'm your guy. I understand that. I do not understand getting them and not having a clear and present pathway for them to play in. Otherwise, it it becomes very much like going to the grocery store. I don't forget what you guys call it in Europe, but like you're just buying stuff to put in the pantry. You don't have a recipe. You don't have a recipe to use them in. And, and maybe maybe that recipe will be more um, evident with uh, Mauricio Pochettino going forward. But I worry. I worry that he will not have enough time to do what he does best. I shared about uh, uh, Dele Alli or, you know, however many weeks ago and, and just how he struck, like how his, in, in that interview that he gave with Gary Neville, that po- Pochettino always believed in him and would always take him by his side. If you take a step back and you stop, we stop talking about potential, stop talking about money, stop talking about how much money these young guys weigh. Stop talking about all that. Talk about a young man needing a slightly older man to show him the way in a football context. That is the project. That's what you sell to him. That's what you sell to his family. Yes, you can talk about the trophy with the big ears. Yes, you can talk about, hey, if you do well here, you know, Real Madrid will become calling for you or, you know, or, or whoever. Yeah, you can do all that. But that does not move hearts. It does not. What moves hearts is the ability to understand I can come here and play my football and play at my best with other good players. We Again, we can talk about transfer fees. We can talk about hijack deals. We can talk about $80 million. We can talk about Brighton doesn't, you know, lower the trend. We can talk about all these things ad nauseum. The projects that keep winning and stay winning, they protect the pathways and they protect the project so that the players that are in the project, they know I'm still a part of this project. That part is not written about enough because it can't be, right? That is that is intimate knowledge. First team manager, you know, match day squad, 
director's board. What is that, 40 people, 50 people, maybe? The rest of us are on the outside looking in. So unless they tell us, you know, hey, Florentino said, um, I'm here. I'm here for the duration of my contract, and then we'll come, we'll come to, uh, we'll, we'll eat dinner and figure it out later. Unless we, we hear that, we have to assume that there have been conversations about a specific player and his, let's call it, floor ceiling, his potential, his, his place. Players worry more about their place than they worry about their potential. They know that they're good enough. They know that. You know, I mean, Thibaut Courtois uh, tears his ACL. Everybody's talking about buying another goalkeeper. Guess who's been there? Guess who was the hot hot goalie uh, profile from pre-COVID? Lunin. He's been there. He's been there. He's been there. So what would it look like? Again, and this is where, like I said, it's it's very important to understand the dynamics of optics. What would it look like if Carlo or Florentino said, Oh yeah, we're gonna look at the market when they've been telling this kid and his family for five years, four years, five years, that you're the next one, and then number one goes down, and the, he's not the next one. He, they lie. They can't do that. The best clubs do not destroy the project off of an opportunity. They will give Lunin an opportunity. If he fails, he fails. Okay, I mean that part's on him, right? But they will give him the opportunity because the project takes precedence over the opportunity or an opportunity. I want to believe you, my friend. I really, really do. And I really want to believe that all of these football clubs, or at least the good ones, look at the player rather than them as a number. Um, and I actually think, and, I, and, I, and I, I think in the most case, I think it probably is that way. But there have been many, uh, I guess, scenarios where these things haven't happened. Just, just because we wanted, we wanted to cover um, Atalanta as well in in Syria, and um, you know they, they, I guess, follow a, a similar kind of strategy in terms of I guess stalled profiles or or talent which maybe hasn't um, you know done so well in places. Are they similar to to Sociedad? I mean, what do they do a little bit different, David? Yeah, that's a good question. If anything, I guess, if anything. Yeah, they're they're similar, but they operate. They're I'm gonna call it more proactive. That might be unfair to Sociedad, but if you look, if you just if you trace the the pathway of Rasmus Hoyland uh, from mm-hmm. FC Copenhagen to Manchester United, what again? I, I've shared this probably in one of our earlier episodes. When you look at again, I mean, it always <laughs> it always goes back to pathways. If you can understand pathways and see who are the gatekeepers and who are the brokers of these uh, these young ascending talents who's opening the door for them club-wise and director-wise, you start to see trends that just, you wonder how come that's not being written about, right? Um, Hoyland goes from FC Copenhagen where, I mean, I'm biased and obviously hindsight's 2020. I don't know why they didn't play him more. I mean, I know why, but they didn't play him more because they pay, they're paying other older players, Right, the pathway was blocked. SK Sturmgratz, Andreas Schicker, in Austria says, "You can definitely come play play here, and we will give you ample playing time." That works. It works very, very well. Atalanta knows. So, side note: there are clubs for every um, for every top tier club, top five Champions League, Europa League club that we all know and we all understand how they generally operate. 
I call it, there's a shadow group of two to maybe four or five clubs beneath them in the similar bracket who are the first movers, right? SK Sturmgratz is one of those. They can see a talent in Scandinavia or in Belgium or in Switzerland. And if they have the means financially, whether it's by loan or by buying them outright, they will move and they'll, they'll get that player because they know, again, it all starts with on-pitch performance. What can you do in our playing style? If you, I, I mean, it's, potential is great, right? Like it's part of the equation, but it's not the most important part. Potential is irrelevant unless there's performance, right? So they get Hoyland and Jean-Pierre Gasparini, Tony D'Amico. They see there's this Danish kid who has size, speed, and goal scoring ability. Let's get him now. Let's pay the money now. Because if we can get him into John Piero's setup and he's just the same player, forget about better. Okay. Uh, the thing about Italian football that I've always loved is that they are so technically obsessed <laughs> that that if you go there as a young player, you can only get better because they don't they will not risk their culture and their their uh their uh, history if you cannot improve as a player. They will not give you minutes, right? So they pay for that player. They, 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 they will pay for also a, a rehab project, say, and I say rehab respectfully, so say uh, Ademola Lukman, right? They will, they will pay because he's still young enough and he's still, um, dare I say, talented enough to where if they only have on-pitch performance from him, they're still above the black line as far as um, what they put into the player and what they're getting on the pitch. But then you also look at Atalanta, which is more so the case than say, eh, let me take a step back. Real Sociedad and Atalanta, I said at the beginning, they both have strong academies. They both develop talent. Okay. Uh, uh, Atalanta sold, I don't think he ever even played for the first time. They sold Ahmad Diallo to Manchester United uh, for, I think, some, something close to 20 million euros. Right. That's right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he never even played for the first team of Atalanta. And we can all safely say, no shade necessary, that Manchester United is on a higher plane football-wise than Atalanta, right? So when we take a step back, they do the, they operate in the same way, but Atalanta is seemingly more proactive in bringing, especially the attacking talents. They will get the attacking talents directly from uh, SK Sturmgratz because they know that if they don't, Benfica will, right? They, they, they don't want, I mean, let's, let's call it a, 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 uh, a fierce but friendly somewhat competition to get younger talent in-house sooner. I mean, their, their track record, when you look at their, I guess, departures from their team, you know, there's some, some big names there, you know, Kulisevsky, Romero, Bastoni, you know, all of these guys have come through Atalanta. Um, but just, just, just to kind of, Think about other clubs because these are like top leagues, right? La Liga and and Syria. Do you see more of this in, I guess, leagues? I don't know, maybe the Belgian, the Dutch league, maybe Liga. This similar kind of strategy. Uh it's a, it's a, oh, it's a good question. Um, you do, but you <laughs> you do, but you don't, right? Uh, it it's it. Again, it's, it's about money. You, ha you have to have capital, right? So if you don't have capital at the top, 
How do you get those talents before your rivals? And a lot of times that looks like, I mean, it looks like loans, you know? So one club that I would say that is outside of uh, the um, the top five, and it's not even a big club in Scandinavia, is Lillstrom, okay? I've been talking about Accor Adams for 18 months, since beginning of 2022. Uh, he moved from a, I'm going to call it top half table club in Norway to uh, Montpellier, which is uh, in France, which is top five league. Solid. How does that happen? I mean, that's down to the player, you know, first and foremost. But also, you have to understand how do we get talent? Um, potential is great, but you have to have talent. You have to have you have to have you have to have a way to find talent and a pipeline of talent. That's probably a better way of saying it. So I would I would say Lillstrom does it very well. Uh, in Belgium, there, there's there's I'm, I'm still waiting for it to show up in the standings. But Anderlecht with Jesper Fredberg, uh, I mean, they're able to get talents before the bigger clubs, bigger Dutch clubs, are able to get talent. And then in, in the Netherlands, it's kind of it's kind of in a holding pattern right now. Because Sven Mislintad is at Ajax and PSV as well are not at the top, but Firenord is. And Firenord has been able to leverage their in-house, uh, you know, their academy setups a little bit more so than the others as far as being able to win the league. Not saying better or worse, but they were able to win the league last season. So it's not it's not as prevalent in those other leagues simply because there's not as much dare I say, money at play, you know, um, if, if Atalanta can sell, uh, a youth product for 20 million, that that's kind of big, you know, as far as that, that tells you the, 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 the gulf and capital outlay for a club compared to Belgium, Norway, uh, sorry, Belgium, uh, the Netherlands and then Scandinavia. There's there's a big gulf, so you have to be able to to look at um, a where are those players coming from, but b actually to answer your question now, I think of it, Slavia Prague, Slavia Praha. We talked. I've talked about Yuri Bil, uh, Biliak before, former player. He he's doing what Benfica is doing, but he's doing it in Prague with less less capital. I have yeah. to talk about way to get to that answer, but yes. That's all right. I just threw it at you. So it was, uh, it was, it was great to hear that. Um, and just, just lastly, just to kind of wrap this up a little bit. Um, when we talk about these player profiles that have come in and you want to take them, I guess, back to where they once were or something, I know you don't want to talk about the money, but that is obviously the obvious marker by which you can measure and say, Okay, that's successful rehab, shall I say, of this player. What, as a sporting director, that's one marker. But what else do you think they're looking at to say actually this has been a successful move or project? Uh, well, maybe I, I believe you misheard me. I always want to talk about the money, but I want to talk about <laughs> it in context. I want to talk about it in context of its importance. And the number one importance of any player is what they bring on pitch. Period, right? So when I was when I spoke of Ferenc Varos or Ludo Goretz earlier, or even you know previous example, um, 
uh, Akor Adams at Lillstrom, if he doesn't score 15 goals and Elitisarian, he doesn't move. He doesn't move to a top five league. You like we can. I mean, and not to get into the cynical realm, but transfers are going to happen at, at at multiples that make you wonder, right? I, I mean, whether it's uh, the Saudi Pro League or um, previously uh, the Chinese leagues or, or what, that transfers are, are, money will flow however it flows. It's going to go to where, to who has it, right? What What happens on the pitch? What has that player done on the pitch? Right. When David Silva, like this is to me, this is this is how I think. And this is when you have a value based mindset to recruitment, you are able to unchain yourself from. Dare I say projections when David Silva leaves Manchester City and he comes to uh, Real Sociedad, I think it was what two full seasons easily or maybe might be three, but two full seasons. They go from Europa Conference League hover moth. Right. To they qualify for Champions League. You can't. Re- I mean, David Silva retired. And he had. I mean, tore up his knee. So you know, sad to hear that. Uh, honestly, but you can't say that he had a transfer value. Or if you look at it, it's less than what ten million. I mean, it's 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 a pittance to what he was at his pre- at his peak, right? So I say that not to say that I don't want to talk about the money or that the money is you know not a part of a potential. It is. It very much is. However, if the player does not feel comfortable to perform on the pitch and that player that you bring in does not raise the the performance of others on the pitch, your whole project is going to be shot like that. That is the that is the bottom line. No, it makes sense. And and to me, it's the classic lead and lag indicator type model, basically where you're the lead indicator stuff is obviously score the goals, make the assist, be a good teammate, all this kind of stuff that happens day to day. And the lag, the last one, or the one that people are judging on is the number, I guess, the money number. So it makes it makes perfect sense. And and listen, I love hearing about these stories of players like Adam Ola Lookman, and I hope Donny van der Beek has a really great story to tell afterwards, Martin Odegaard, all of these players that I guess, may have been left by the wayside somewhere and then they kind of rise up with the assistance of a club that has a strategy and a sporting director and manager who's, who can help them at a human level, which is, you, you're absolutely right. It's not spoken about enough. And I guess it's also maybe not valued enough from those looking inside, um, from outside, I guess, fans and media and all of these people, us, I guess, to many degrees. David, it's been a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Might have riled you up a little bit today, so uh, but right. but, but I really but but I really I, I I did very much enjoy it and and I, and I look forward to the next one, um you know and and as always I'll put um David's Twitter handle in in the show notes. He really puts out some great um content with regards sporting directors, what they're saying, interviews that they've had, you know, and also people around the organisations that are really really insightful, and you know please keep following us on on Get Football and all our outlets. You know where we put out a, a range of news, opinions, um, and you know interviews and, and and other podcasts. Also, you know to to kind of just give a, a fuller picture, I guess, to the football landscape. And lastly, it just leads me to say thank you so much for taking time out of your day for listening to us, and we hope to see you on the next one. And have a great day. Bye.